Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study every day, seven days a week, usually only about 13, 14 minutes, but it keeps us in God's word and thereby helps us to stay strong and grow stronger in our faith because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So share this, these studies with people you know in your life because you know people who need to grow in their faith in God and in Jesus Christ. Share through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means. You may help somebody not only grow in their faith, you may help them come closer to God and ultimately get to heaven. What a great blessing for them and for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today with everybody you can. We're going to get back into our new line of thought and study. And so here's how we're putting this. Sunday's coming. Are you? Now, so some people might say, well, what are you talking about? Well, as we introduce this, we're talking about the first day of the week, Sundays, the day the church comes together to worship God and to be together in fellowship. Now, since AD 33, when Jesus died on the cross, there have been pretty close to this number, 103,833 first days of the week, Sundays, the Lord's Day. Now, if a person were to live to be 80 years old, say, 80 years old, then that person will have had 4,174 Sundays or first days of the week referred to as the Lord's Day in that person's life. Sunday's always coming. Does not matter when you might listen to this particular study. Maybe it'll be on a Monday. Maybe it'll be on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, maybe even a Sunday. But whatever day it is that you listen to this particular study, Sunday's not very far off. Sunday's coming, unless the Lord comes again first. So Sunday's coming. How about you? Are you coming on Sunday? Are you coming to be with the church as the church comes together to meet and worship God and study his word, thereby glorifying him, to be in fellowship together also. Are you coming? Well, Sunday's coming. How about you? Well, we talked about worship has virtually always been part of the life of those who are truly and faithfully following God. Now, I say virtually. I I think we can say always been. But we certainly go back to the very beginning, the first two sons of Adam and Eve who are listed in Scripture, and we see them worshiping God. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. They're worshiping God by offering particular sacrifice to him. We also saw that obviously God instructed them as to not only worship him, but how to worship him. What kind of sacrifice he instructed them to offer before him. Because... The text tells us that God respected Abel's sacrifice, but he rejected Cain's. Cain and Abel, two brothers of Adam and Eve. Now, since he respected Abel's sacrifice, but rejected Cain's, and then you compare that to the Hebrews writer in Hebrews 11 and verse 4, where it says, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Then since faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, God obviously told them how to worship him, what to offer by way of worship. 
And then later in that same chapter, chapter 4 and verse 26, we see their brother, Seth, and it's talking about how men were calling on the, were calling on the Lord from, by that point in time. We looked in Psalm, in, in, in Psalm chapter 122 and verse 1, where David talked about how he rejoiced. He was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so we noted also in the early days of the church, the early years, we could say, after it came into existence on Pentecost, Acts 2 and verse 46, they met together daily, daily. When we look at Acts 20 and verse 7, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, referring to partake of the Lord's Supper. When? On the first day of the week. Of which week? Every week. Every week has a first day. That's why we can understand upon the first day of the week, it's not a particular week within a month or within a decade or within a year or within a quarter, within a year. It's upon the first day of the week. Every week had a first day. Still does. And then we looked in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verses 1 and 2, and Paul instructed the church at Corinth upon the first day of the week when you gather together, then he talked to them about worshiping God through giving back to him from the blessings with which he had blessed them to begin with. And so over and over again, we see the church coming together to worship God. Now, again, some people, they, this is pretty foreign to them. They, they really don't know much about what the scriptures teach as to coming together each first day of the week, each Lord's Day, each Sunday as the church, with the church to worship God and to be together as the church in Christian fellowship. Now, a lot of people, they, they, they want Jesus. They just don't want commit, uh, commitment to Jesus. They want God. They just don't want to have to be obedient to God. They don't have to, you know, the church, no, that's not for me. Well, can we really have that attitude and be okay? Think about how the church is referred to in the scriptures. Now, first, while Jesus was still upon this earth in his public ministry, before he went to the cross, he was with the apostles in Matthew chapter 16, and he told Peter, well, first he began to ask the apostles, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And so they began to answer to him. And and they would hear some things from people who had come to hear Jesus teach that, that Jesus would not necessarily hear himself, but he probably knew anyway, because he's, he is God, the son. But anyway, he asks them. And so he gets perspective from them. And so in verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, before some of those apostles, they responded back in verse 14. Well, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then Jesus asks them directly, well, who do you say that I am? And there's where Peter responds. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus responds to what Peter just said. He said, blessed are you for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And notice this, And I also say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades, or another translation says the powers of death will not prevail against it or will not keep it from being established. Jesus knew he was going to go to the cross before long. He was going to die, give his life. But even his death on the cross, and the Jewish leadership must have thought, 
by and large, we won. We, we, we shut him up. We took him out of the picture. We got him nailed to that cross. But Jesus says even the death and the cross is not going to stop this from coming to be. Now, he says, it is my church, my church. Well, think about that. When we look at Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, we read verses 22 and 23. This is how the church is described in this particular letter from the apostle Paul. And he put all things, that is, God put all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet, and gave him... Jesus, the Christ, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is described, identified, characterized as being the very body of Christ. Now, we're not talking about physical body. We're talking about spiritual body. From a spiritual perspective, as we come together, as we are part of the church, we are part of the body of Christ. The church is his body. When we look also in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Verse 24, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. You see, over and over again, we read the church identified as being the body of Christ. Now, you think when Jesus said, I'm going to build my church or establish my church upon this earth, in this world, you think that's not something we ought to pay attention to personally on an individual basis? When the church is described, identified as being the very body of Christ, Do you think that's not something we ought to be a part of and be paying attention to and be an active part of? Well, of course we should. And notice also in 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and I want us to look at verse 15. And here the apostle Paul writes, but if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. My, do you see how the church is described again? The body of Christ? The church of the living God? The house of God? The pillar and ground of the truth? And that is God's truth, obviously. Is the church important? Just, just looking at it, con- contemplating over that question on the basis of these descriptions of it, these different methods of identifying the church and what it is, yeah, it's important. It's, in, it's extremely, it is eternally important. Well, Sunday's coming. Where will you be? The church is going to come together on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, Sunday. Will you come together with the church? Now think a little bit further. Think a little bit further. What did Jesus say going back to Matthew chapter 16? He, he told Peter and the rest of the, well, he told Peter, he was speaking to Peter directly, but obviously the, the message is to the rest of the apostles gathered there as well. And he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. And then he goes on in verse 19 
And he says, I will give you, still speaking to Peter, the keys, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on heaven. Now, what is the kingdom? What is the kingdom? I'll give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the church there. And you say, well, uh, I'm, I'm not sure I understand that. Yeah, it's the church he's talking about. Because, you see, we, we read in Colossians chapter 1, in verse 12, speaking of the church, the apostle Paul wrote, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love, into the kingdom of the son of his love. The kingdom. The kingdom is of heaven on this earth is the church. Do you see the lofty ways in which the church is being described and identified in these various texts? You think it's not important to be a part of the church? You think it's not important to be there with the church each Sunday, each first day of the week, each Lord's Day, as the church comes together to worship God? It certainly is. Sunday's coming. How about you? Let's pray. Father, help us to understand as best we can the importance of the church being on this earth and of our being a part of it and of our being with the church each Sunday as we come together to worship you and remember the death of your son, our Lord and Savior. Please guide us in this and help us to be the example you want us to be to people all around us. Please forgive us and hear our prayer, gracious Father. In Jesus' name, amen.